Excuse me. The scripture reading today is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24, and chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. You were, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Pam. Reading our scripture lesson this morning. And uh, as I said, it's good to be back with you in this, this place together with the church, church family. I appreciate all those who are helping out this morning with making things go. It's a lot of people that take gets involved in making a service like this happen. And we're just appreciative of everybody's efforts to do that. Let's pause our, for prayer to kind of center ourselves in this moment. We've heard God's word. Now let's ask God's Holy Spirit to lead us in its application to our lives. Let's pray. God. We stand together in this place at a new beginning, a new year. And all of us, Lord, are here because we want to begin our lives, we want to begin this year with you, center and foremost, your will upon our lives. So God, use your word to instruct us, open our hearts that we may be shaped, that we may be made new by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, it is a new year. We stand at the threshold of a new year and a new beginning, and that's always exciting. But um, it's also a time of mixed emotions, isn't it? I mean, on the one hand, we have, uh, we're reflecting upon what's happened in the past, reflecting upon our lives of the past. On the other hand, we're thinking about the future and the possibilities, the potential that a new year brings, and that's kind of exciting. But no matter where you are on that spectrum of mindset, this time of year typically causes within us a desire to um, make some changes in our lives, such as we have the New Year resolutions, right? <laughs> New resolutions for our changes, and uh, many of you have made those. But uh, some of you, uh, this means wanting to make some changes in our, uh, our physical condition, especially after all the eating and feasting we've done as a part of the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I think we're all about ready for that. <clears throat> and of course, the health clubs, the diet companies are eager to capitalize on that mindset to try to help us uh, do that. Uh, even Walmart's got in its aisles, you can find Slim Fast and all those diet aids to help you with that, and it's just all out there if everybody's wanting to do that. But for others, the changes that we're wanting to make in our lives have to deal with more life issues, life uh, quality of life issues relationships. Over the holidays, I did some thinking about this myself in my own life. I mean, how I might improve the quality of my relationships with my family and with others. But the truth is, you know, these New Year resolutions that we tend to make, uh, they often end up being nothing more than good intentions, short-lived at best. And I think the reason for that is because the changes that we often want to make in our life tend to deal with the symptoms, but not the underlying causes and problems and issues in our lives. We don't really deal with that. And the Bible is pretty clear that if you want to make a real change in your life, then what is needed is not the latest gimmick that's going to promise you the hope of uh, 
you know, losing weight, getting physically fit, or being healthy, uh, if you really want to make a change in your life that's lasting, that's going to be beyond, you know, the newness of a new year, the Bible tells us what is needed more than anything else is a change of heart. Change within our hearts. And when it comes to making changes within our hearts, there's really only one person who can help us with that. That's the one whose birth we just celebrated, Jesus Christ. Over this, um, the holidays, <clears throat> I actually uh, took some time to reread parts of a book that, uh, if you haven't read this, is Max Lucado's Just Like Jesus. It's an excellent book. I would encourage you to, to read it if you haven't done so. But in this book, he, he poses a question that really calls me to reflect upon my own life, and I think it's a good thing for us to uh, reflect upon together as we consider changes that we're wanting to make for our lives in this new year. And this question that he asks us is, what if for one day Jesus was you? <laughs> um, and I'm going to read you an excerpt out of his introduction that kind of puts that in context of what he's talking about. He says, what if for 24 hours Jesus wakes up in your bed, walks in your shoes, lives in your house, assumes your schedule, your boss becomes his boss, or your mother becomes his mother, your pains become his pains. With one exception, nothing about your life changes. Your health doesn't change, your circumstances don't change, your schedule isn't altered, your problems aren't solved, only one change occurs. What if for one day and for one night, Jesus lives your life with his heart? Your heart gets the day off. And your life is led by the heart of Christ. His priorities uh, govern your actions. His passions drive your decisions. His love directs your behavior. What would you be like? Would people notice a change? Your family, would they see something new? Your coworkers, would they sense a difference? What about the less fortunate? Would you treat them the same? And your friends, would they uh, detect more joy in your life? How about your enemies? Would they receive more mercy from Christ's heart than from yours? And you, how would you feel? What alterations would this transplant have upon your stress level? Uh, your mood swings? Your temper? Would you sleep better? Would you see sunsets differently? death differently, taxes differently, any chance you'd need fewer aspirins or sedatives? How about your reaction to traffic delays? That would definitely change my heart. <clears throat> would you still dread what you're dreading? Better yet, would you still do what you're doing? Would you still want, would you still do what you had planned to do for the next 24 hours? Pause and think about your schedule, your obligations, your engagements, your outings, appointments. With Jesus taking over your heart, would anything change? Keep working on this for a moment. Adjust the lens of your imagination until you have a clear picture of Jesus leading your life. Then snap the shutter and frame that image. What you see is what God wants.
As Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, let the same mind, he could have said, let the same heart be in you that was in Christ Jesus. This is what God wants for us. Nothing short of a changed heart. You know, as we're thinking about the new year and considering changes that we want to make in our lives, this, I believe, is where real and lasting change begins. In our scripture lesson this morning, Paul says, you were taught to put away your former way of life, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourself with the new self, creating according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. In other words, God wants us to live with a heart like Jesus. And God has promised us that he's provided a way for us to do that. Uh, Max Licato in his book, he, he describes this with these words. He said, God loves you just the way that you are. But God refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be like Jesus. What an interesting thought. That God loves you just the way that you are. And yet, isn't that the essence of the gospel message? I mean, if you think that God would, his love for you would be stronger if your faith was somehow stronger, you're wrong. If you think God's love for you would somehow be deeper if your actions and your thoughts were better, again, you're wrong. Don't confuse God's love with people's love. God loves you just the way that you are. Michael Cato goes on to describe it this way. He says, God's love never ceases, never. Though we spurn him, though we ignore him, reject him, despise him, disobey him, he will not change. Our evil cannot diminish his love. Our goodness cannot increase it. Our faith does not earn it any more than our stupidity jeopardizes it. God doesn't love us less if we fail or more if we succeed. God's love for us never ceases. So God loves us just as we are. I mean, that's the essence of the good news of the gospel. But God doesn't want to leave us that way. He refuses to leave us as we are. Because he loves us, God is always at work in our lives, trying to create within us a change a change that leads us to have a life that's more like the life of Jesus, a heart like Jesus. During the Christmas holidays, we always had the family tradition of uh, baking Christmas cookies together. And uh, something we always look forward to, you know, you get to cut the cookies out, different shapes, and you decorate them and, and together, and then you, of course, get to eat them. That's one of my favorite parts, <coughs> eating the cookies. And I can remember several years back, we do this every year, but several years back, I remembered uh, we did this together. We put the cookies in the oven, and um, then when they came out, I called in my daughter from outside. This was several years ago, so she was much younger at <laughs> this time. And uh, I called her in uh, to, to come get some of the cookies. And when she came in, I turned to give her one of the cookies, and I noticed that her hands were just filthy from whatever she'd been doing outside. I said, oh, no, you, you can't have any cookies. Uh, you have to go wash your hands first. Now, did I love her any less because her hands were dirty? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> But was I going to let her have those cookies with her hands dirty? No, not either. So, you know, I, I took her over to the sink. We washed her hands, and then I gave her the cookies. Now, why did I do that? Because as a parent, I want what is best for her. And when it comes to the love of God, I think it's the same way. God desires for us the same thing. God loves us just as we are, but he refuses to leave us that way. And so he holds us over the fountain of his grace if we will allow him to. And he washes us clean. He 
washes away the dirt and the grime of our sins. Why does he do that? Because he wants what's best for us. He wants to give us something that is so much more to life, a heart like Jesus. Now, when it comes to having a heart like Jesus and our heart, the distance between those two things can just seem immense. I mean, how can we ever help to have a heart like Jesus? Well, this morning, as we come to the Lord's table, we are reminded of how that is made possible. As Paul says, it is by God's grace that this change can take place in our life. He says, we can be renewed by the spirit of our minds and clothed with a new self created according to the likeness of God. Today, we remind ourselves in this this sacrament of the Lord's Supper that it was Christ's sacrifice upon a cross that makes this change within us possible. We can literally die to our old self and be born again to a new life with a heart like Jesus. We can be forgiven of the sins of our past so that we can look forward to a future with hope. With God's Holy Spirit at work in our lives, we can be changed. We, the, the old things that have brought us down, the uh, old habits, the unchristlike manners and behaviors and thoughts, they can be replaced with a heart like Jesus. So if you're really wanting to make a change in your life this new year, a change that's going to last longer than you know the newness in the new year goes <laughs> and be forgotten, then consider a, a new heart because that changes everything. And it is that kind of change that God is offering to you and to me today. So adjust the lens of your imagination until you have a clear picture of Jesus leading your life and then snap the shutter frame that because that is a picture of the kind of change that God wants to bring into your life. A change that's only made possible by God's grace. It's in that spirit that we're going to come to the Lord's table together. You know, in the invitation to the Lord's Supper, we always claim that those who want to receive the love of Christ, those who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another, are welcome. Now, the love of Christ, as we said, God loves you just as you are. But he doesn't want to leave us that way. There's that part about the Lord's invitation to earnestly repent of our sins, to recognize that uh, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need to be cleansed. We all need to be made new, washed clean. The truth is, within any family, there are times when we say things, we do things, or we don't do something that hurts each other's feelings. And it's no different in a church family. Um, As a pastor, I recognize that anything that I do, any decision I make, uh, any sermon I preach, (laughs) any action I do, some are going to like it, some are not going to like it. Uh, I have people tell me on Sunday morning, oh, we like that sermon. I have others go like, 